Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, David. Hello, Jim. Yeah. I don't even think I'll have to edit that. I think that was perfect. Like, I won't even have to chop the front of it off. I'll just put it right after the intro music and it'll be perfect. I'm actually <laughs> well, really excited. We've only got we've only got one more ish or one more uh, episode yeah, dude, to record you, this year. Jim, what is today? What is today? It is it is the it is it is Christmas Eve. Yes. Well, you're saying one more of the year and then we go to video. That's Dependent upon my personal situation, which we've discovered that the flooring takes a little bit longer to install than we'd initially anticipated. However, I think that we'll be on track to be in that ballpark very quickly soon after. So yeah. um, you can see that there's a closet behind me that has no doors on it. Yep. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff. It's a fun, it's still a fun place right here. Um, my clothes are actually over in the corner by the window where I can't get to them. Yeah. So I've been wearing like the same four outfits all week <laughs> and basically washing them. I've been there. <laughs> um, so anyway, Jim, it, it's Christmas Eve. Um, yep. Obviously, you just brought this up, and it's been a hectic year. Uh, I'm actually kind of like, I got up this morning, and I went, crap, it's Christmas Eve, and I haven't even done any Christmas shopping. That's crazy, um, right? Yeah, well, they, my life situation is just insane right now, man. Um, so I went up. This, I went out this morning, and I, and I, <laughs> I bought two things for my wife. And I won't mention them because she might be listening to this episode when it drops tomorrow. Um, nah, she probably she probably know at that point. Yeah, so I bought her two time. of these wireless charging pads. Oh, okay. For for her phone because she's got a new job in the city, and I figured she could leave one at the office, right? And one here at the house. And of course, she's buying a bunch of clothes so, for for the new job. So I was like, you know what? We're not going to go all out this Christmas. We're trying to save money. Lots of things are happening around the house. We'd rather spend the money on the house. So we didn't really buy each other much. Um, what is going on with the lighting in my environment? I don't know. It's weird. It's, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Jim and I do this via video feed and, um, it literally, my camera just going in and out, in and out, in and out in terms of the lighting. So Jim, you're just going to have to have a seizure before the end of this episode. That's just what, that's just how this is going to have to work. Um, so it seems to be stable now for the, for this moment. Right. Um, in 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 all the craziness that's been going on, we got the home renovations going on, and of course, 
we finished the floor in my bedroom on on uh, Sunday, and then my cat ends up going to the vet. Two thousand dollars for basically dust in like like what's essentially dust, but it's but it's uh, you know basically the the cat equivalent of kidney stones. Um, and it's I mean it could be fatal to the cat. So I mean I get it, but I'm just like God. Who's gonna take more money out of my pockets? So I went. I went super cheap today. Jim, you're on mute. You do know this. I must have bumped the, the mute yeah, button. It happens. It happens. Jim is using a new foam pad to isolate yes. his microphone, folks. So I've isolated the microphone, and I'm not eating ice. Yes. That's no more. <laughs> no more ASMR from we, this guy. We learned our lesson last episode. Oh, you know what was funny, Jim? Is I as I proofed. I probably listened to 20 minutes worth of the episode and I didn't hear it because I was just jumping around. Right. And then we got called out and I went and I listened to about five minutes of it straight or 10 minutes of it crunch, straight. Crunch, crunch. And I was like, how did I miss this? It's, it's all over it. Like, how how does, did I miss this? How does somebody have that much ice that they're going to eat? I don't, I don't Because it's know. Chesapeake water. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I'd be lying really if I said I haven't terrible. heard stuff like that on other podcasts, but whatever. Um, My mother always told me don't waste anything. So... I'm sitting there like with the ice. It's just freaking water, people. Yeah. Get over it, Jim. All right. So, um, gosh, we haven't had a whole lot because we just recorded like two days ago. Um, There's been a whole lot of happened in the guitar world since then. But I did see this this morning and I I honestly like it. It it, it just peed me off. You got to send me that link. I I did. It's it's in your Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go through this list. It's a guitar. It's a list. Of the 20 best guitar albums of the decade, as decided by Guitar World uh, readers, and um, this was a this came out about five days ago, and <laughs> I'm just I'm still kind of shaking my head at this one. Um, so basically, how they did with this was they looked at you know what issues got the most push and like what people were buying and stuff. And and Mike Mara pointed out in our group that that because I mentioned this in the group before we were going to do the episode, um, he mentioned that. Uh, he thought that this was based on like the sales of the actual magazines versus, you know, the readership and like maybe some reader polling, but, but also um, he said it directly coincided kind of with like who was pushing the albums the most. In other words, like who was backing them from the record company and who was actually uh, trying to sell these records. Right. And you'll see that reflected in this, but it's really funny because uh, so, so the number one spot which I don't know if that means he's actually number one or if he's number 20 um, because right. they start off with number one and most of these countdown lists don't work that way. Right. Uh, so the first one is of course uh dream theater distance over time, yep. which, okay. So I kind of get it. Like, don't get me wrong. John Petrucci is a good, a good guitar player and everything, but he really hasn't, I, at least in my estimation, and of course I'm old school and I like the stuff with uh, my Portnoy no, more than the modern dream theater stuff. He really hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, he still kind of approaches the guitar in the same way. I don't really see him like reinventing the instrument or anything like that. But 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 I get it. He's popular and he's definitely in the limelight. Um, so I could see him being on this list. But then we got Winery Dogs Hot Streak, um, which this is why this is where we start to like deviate from this whole like okay, I kind of get it. So obviously, Richie Cotson, amazing guitar player. Nobody's going to dispute that. Um, and of course, the other two guys in the band, uh, you got you got Billy Sheehan and and Portnoy. Um, right. Is it, is it Portnoy? Yeah. So, so totally understand that. Um, but I kind of feel like this is, so 
for this to be an album of the decade, it really doesn't reflect the the musical trends of the decade in any way. No. Um, actually, if anything, this is a kind of a throwback to more like Mr. Big and like late '80s pop metal thing that was going on. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a little on that one. But then Alter Bridge is number three, which I can see that. Although this is the wrong record, um, Alter Bridge Fortress. Fortress. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, the uh, the Richie Kotzer record was Hot Streak, or the the uh, Winery Dog. Sorry, is it? I consider Winery Dogs Richie Kotzen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the record's called Hot Streak. Um, Alter Bridge Fortress. I I mean, uh, okay. So I kind of think Alter Bridge is like on the cusp of being played out at this time, um, because I think like the was it the Blackbird record or whatever? Yeah, Blackbird. Um, that's the one that that that's their like their top record. And and for sure is is the one that I would think of when I think of Alter Bridge. But yep. okay, I get it. Miles Kennedy, Mark Romani, both yep. both competent guitar players, and, and uh, of course both are singers too. Um, yeah, can't can't forget that. So then, um, then we have Jason Becker, Triumphant Hearts. Now, I you know Jim, I have tremendous respect for uh, Jason Becker and his and yep. his situation. The fact that he's still composing music, this should not be on this list. I, I understand that people are like, yeah, we need to get the, you know, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease um, awareness up. But I don't think these records have been that exceptional from the um, from the guitar playing perspective, other than they are like guest records where all these different people come in to play the different parts, which right. is very cool. But he's but written. I, but I don't right. really hear I like I never really hear a strong buzz behind this. I don't hear a couple people coming up and you know, saying like, um, yeah, Jason Becker's triumphant hearts, man. Have you heard the playing on that? Like. I, it's a cool thing that happens, but it's not necessarily like jaw dropping, changing the industry kind of stuff, right? Um, even among my guitar aficionado, <laughs> loving friends who buy albums who are uh, that are that are just guitar, I don't know any of them that has any of this. The, the Jason Becker, I think. Stuff. I think this is an excuse to get Marty Frieden, Steve Vai, and Uli John Roth on this list. Yeah, I think that because they all were on that. I think it was like, hey, we'll get these three guys. Oh yeah, and, you got you know, you got Marty Fry- Friedman, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, Uli John Roth, Gu- um, Chris Broderick, Guthrie Gavon, Neil yeah, Sean. It's like Tom everybody. Martin. It's just a, li- a list of who's who, and yeah. that's because um, the the music is definitely challenging. Like let, let's not let's not dispute that. But right. challenging doesn't necessarily mean it's like an important album of the decade. Um, and I don't think. Right. You, you can figure that out for yourself. You, you can decide for yourself what that means. Um, right. Plenty handmade cities. This record should be on this list. Um, I don't know that it should be number five out of twenty, right? But it should definitely be on this list. Uh, Greg Howe, Wheelhouse. Oh. I mean, I've heard it. I didn't think it was that great. I, he's a great guitar player. Um, I kind of feel like his heydays come and gone too. Uh, Slash. Right with his self-titled debut uh, solo project, of course yep. featuring Miles Kennedy um, as well on vocals. Um, I think, I think this record's okay. Um, again, I think Slash is still coasting on what he was doing when he was in Guns N' Roses, and I, he can release records till he's blue in the face. I don't think it even been that important. Um, nope. like even if you look at the gear that he's released is, um, you know, like notable, I'm going to endorse this stuff. It's all reissues of what he was doing back right, in the, 
Yeah, yeah. back in Guns and Roses. Like, oh, yeah. we're going to do the Appetite for Destruction Les Paul, and we're going to have the Silver Jubilees and all this stuff, which now my understanding is he's not using Silver Jubilees. He's got a slash signature model, which is supposed to be emulating the super modified JCM 800 that he right. that he had stolen. He borrowed. Yeah, he had <laughs> yeah. stolen and then ended up in the hands of um, that's been in several people's hands now, but I think it's currently owned by uh, Mr. Scary himself, uh, Doc, of uh, George Lynch, um, of Dokken. So then the Aristocrats, that's definitely, that should be in this list. Um, I think Guthrie Gavon is changing the face of guitar with every record they do, but um, for the self-titled Aristocrats record, I, I mean, if I'm going to put one on, that's the one I put on. Um Intervals, Shape of Color. I'm not super familiar with this band. I have listened to them. Um, maybe they deserve to be on this list. I, I don't think I've listened to this whole record, The Shape of Color. The only thing I could do is I could give them credit, um, given that Intervals is doing what they're doing. I, it's unlistenable to me. <clears throat> Literally unlistenable to yeah, me. Yeah, it's really like, it's super complex music. I mean, it's super avant garde. Yeah. This is the where things start to get really bad. I don't know if you scrolled down this part yet, Jim. Number 10. And I know oh people, I'm going to catch so much crap for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, no. Number no, 10. This album? No. I, I've listened to the record. I, I like the record. It's not the most important. It's not even close to being one of the most important guitar records in the last 10 years. Not even close. It's more about the songwriting. It's more about the presentation. It's more about the players as themselves individually. It's more about the mystique of the band than the fact that they don't record, but every, you know, 10 years or whatever. But right. Tool's Fear Inoculum should not be on this list. No. It shouldn't be. It's an important record, but it shouldn't be on this list. This no. doesn't make sense. Where? Uh, show me a guitar solo on this record. Exactly. Show me one. Hum me one. Show me something that, that tells me that this is like a guitar-focused record. Um, nope. It's, this is Matter of fact, if anything, it, it moves away. It, I'm not actually I wanted to I wanted to say this um, as succinctly as possible. But like this is an art record. Right. And we, right. we like art. We're not I'm not disputing that. But I'm just saying this is not art. that's like pushing the state of guitar into a, into a new direction. We already did this. We did this in the 90s, meaning, you know, kind of getting away from guitar solos, being more about fitting the song. And and that's cool. Like there's there's definitely a time and place for that. I do that a lot in um, in Old Stumpy. But this is. I just yeah. don't see this being on a guitar list. No. Um, Chantel McGregor, Buried Alive. Um, Is I he mean, Ewan McGregor's cousin? If nobody knows <laughs> that, I, I, I look, this is, I'm probably going to get slapped or somebody's going to hate on me for this. I don't know who this is. I'm not really sure why this is on this list. If I don't know who it is, I've been playing guitar for almost 20 years, 19 years something like that we figured out the other no longer than that i've been playing like 22 years now 19 years since i was in a band with somebody last night um so if i don't know who you are and i've been playing for 22 years and i actually am involved in the community and i listen to music the <laughs> yeah i've never heard of her stuff at all i'm not saying it's good or bad just say i've never heard of it no and actually i think um any of the annie clark fueled stuff would fit yes. this better. Um, yeah, I think if I was going to put a woman's album up here, it would definitely be uh, uh, Susan Tedeschi. Ah, um, yeah, there's a good one. Tedeschi I mean, or even um, Samantha Fish. Yeah, Samantha Fish. Um, I don't even I don't even know if I've ever heard any buzz around Chantel McGregor. This is the she one was, that kills me, though. Okay? This is the one that I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. 
So Avenge Sevenfold, the stage. <laughs> I mean, really? I, I know there are probably fans in our group. In fact, I think somebody actually said it in the group. But Avenge Sevenfold is not good. I, I you can you can send me your hate mail. I'll give you my email address if you ask for it. Um, I just. I don't know. Like this is this is just wrong to me to include this. I, I don't see people picking up guitars because of Avenged Son of Unfold anymore. Um, I do. There I, was a time when that was really popular, you know. Yep. But I do. I, as a matter of fact, just the other day, literally just the other day, somebody came in asking if we had a Zachy Gates, a Sinister Gates. Sorry, I, Zachy I, Gates. We had that com- com- uh, conversation. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> okay. But, uh, which one's which guy's left left handed? I don't remember. Is it Zachy Vengeance? The, whichever one put Zachy Vengeance or or um, uh, Gates. Anyway, I think it's Sinister Gates. Well, there's four this guitars guy was on a, this record, Jim. Yeah, this guy was a lefty. I know it was this guy was a lefty, and he was like, "Hey, I want to, um, I want to get the you know the one that's got the stripes, the black and white stripes going down the guitar." So whatever. Yeah, I never saw them as bad. The band is. Good. I mean, they're all right, but I don't know if they're. I, again, I think this is a pop. As much as the the fans don't want to hear it, this is a pop record. It's very popular amongst guitarists and non guitarists, and if it's bringing people into the fold, I'm I'm digging. Oh, and it may, you know what? That, this may actually may end up on this list, but it may be at like eighteen or nineteen. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't put it at twelve. I I do get like they do still have some appeal, um, yep. and they're definitely a guitar driven band. Um, right. So yeah, so then next uh, number thirteen, Stephen Wilson's "The Raven That Refused to Sing." Yep, I have no, I'm not aware of this record at all. Um, no, I think it's got a cool cover, or at least the cover well, art of the single. It certainly home, has but... the right personnel: Alan Parsons, Guthrie Govan, yeah, Stephen Wilson. You know, so okay. Um, and then we finally get to a. This is what kills me. We finally get to a Joe Bonamassa record, number fourteen, right? And it's Redemption, which yeah, I, I, Redemption, yeah. I'm sorry, but I love that that album. So I'm I'm kind of well. I just kind of feel like uh, Joe Bonamassa. So Joe Bonamassa has had some great records, um, and I think my favorite's uh, Ballad of John Henry. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like, "That's the record," you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Redemption's okay. I just don't think Redemption should be the um, like the the album of the decade for him. I know that that John Henry was earlier too. Um, a lot of so anyway um and then this is what bothers me so here's here's animals as leaders finally yeah, really number 15. 15 what yeah. is the biggest trend in guitar right now more strings yeah. um crazy shapes going headless all of the different things that um you know tosin abasi's been playing with his whole career i, I was gonna say that is tosin abasi's signature Right there, what you just said. <laughs> uh, Tosin Abasi and Javier Reyes have yep. become two synonymous names with local guitar. Not local guitar, but like um, guitar in the last 10 years, right? Recent guitar. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't know a guitar player in my you know cadre of people that wouldn't know who those two guys are. Um, yep. So I, I – and, and I don't think this is – well – I mean, Joy of Motion probably should be the record that they would select for this. I yeah. I, I do think uh, it should be much higher on this list, though, with the trends yeah. and the way that they've kind of redefined a genre and kind of created a genre 
and the fact that they've related it they've related guitar to like um to electronica and stuff and the way that they have um they've defied really what the gent movement is defied it not defined it like they are definitely a gent band but they don't sound like tesseract they don't sound like those other bands you know what i mean They're, they're their own thing and i think they transcend a lot of it um this is going to be a record. So like when I grew up, everybody was listening to like racer X and like second heat and stuff, street lethal, um, as like great guitar records, you know, even though I was, you know, getting into guitar in the early two thousands. Um, and I kind of feel like this is going to be the same sort of thing where in like 20 years, people are still going to be talking about this record and, and th- this band and what their contribution to, um, guitar is as a whole. Now, does that mean everybody's going to be playing like them? Probably not. But but that's because their style is just so different. Um, th- now this is this is and, and I love Nick Johnson. He's number sixteen with Remarkably Human. Um, Nick Johnson's record is really really good. Uh, I just feel like it's too soon to say that this is one of the top records of the last ten years. Meaning that this record hasn't been out long enough um, to really know what his place is going to be like long term. No, I mean I guess if it's that important, they could make that adjudication, but. Um, Rush Clockwork Angels. That's number uh, seventeen. I'm not surprised to see this on the list. Um, Neither am I. Neither am I. I. I have the album. Um, I bought it when it first came out. Matter of fact, I did that pre-order thing through Apple Music or something, and I got it the day that uh, or the day before it was released officially or something. And it still plays regularly in my in my list. But then again, I'm a huge huge fan of Rush and. I think that this, you know, whether they put it on here is to say thank you for your, you know, thanks for all the fish or not. Um, it's still. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Rush definitely has some other records in their um, back catalog that are better than this. But I could definitely see Rush being a, a powerful force in guitar when there weren't any powerful forces in guitar um, or at least not main headlining like in front of everybody type of situations um i love megadeth but man this album should not be in this list i'm sorry but dystopia should not be number 18 we had to we had to pick from um records in this decade so no i know that's that's what i'm saying jim the i don't think these bands are as relevant as people are are making them out to be in this list Right. I, I think that's why I'm saying these albums are not representative of these bands. They're not representative of even the culture of right. of guitar right now. I mean, I think that they're so if you want to talk about greatest albums that came out or greatest guitar based albums that came in the last 10 years, I think you should be focused more on like looking at what the trend setting was and where right. that came from, because that's where I'm like kind of scratching my head on this stuff. And I'm like, they, they didn't really redefine anything here. Nobody, nobody's walking around talking about three. I haven't had a single conversation with somebody about Clockwork Angels. That's why I'm like, huh? You know, nobody was like, oh man, that's such a good record. You should get that. Like it didn't win a Grammy. Nobody was, nobody was excited about it other than the fans of the band already. You know what I mean? Well, they put it, they put a live album on here. If they were going to use any rush that would have come out of this decade, right? Use the live album. At least use that that last live in Rio. I think it was where. Um, We've got the 30 years, you know, and it's all yeah, the retrospective up. and all that. Yeah. But Megadeth Dystopia, like not a good Megadeth record, in my opinion. Nah. Um, no. His voice is totally. 
I yeah, said even just his voice. I just didn't think that. I think that the Megadeth has kind of gone into like this poppy direction, and I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, nope. <laughs> number nineteen. Now I will say this: as much as I don't like this record, I'm not a big fan of this record. I will say this: in terms of how they reflect upon the guitar community, there's definitely a very vocal group of people that still follow this band as being a guitar-based band and listen to it for the guitar playing. This Metallica and its hardware to self-destruct. This number 19. And then uh, we're going to do this stuff pretty quick. We're only 20 minutes in. Yeah. And number t- 20, um, I think this band should probably be higher on this list, is uh, Peripheries uh, 4. Hailstand. Hailstand. Yeah. Not Hail Satan, yeah. Hailstand. Um, and when I say, I thought I said stain, I thought Stan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted to say it myself, you know, because I like to hear my voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> like to hear ourselves talk. Yes. Yes. We're very good at what this. What do we do? Why else do we do this thing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, this album, I kind of feel like should be higher up in this list because they're more representative of what's been going on that's new and fresh and innovative in guitar culture right now. Yeah. Um, now they're, Periphery at this point is an older band. I mean, they they had albums that would have been eligible in the last decade. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they didn't get it. But they, well, they might have. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know how scientific this is either. And I what I want to really want to talk about. So we've gone through the list, right? Obviously, yep. some things are kind of representative of the culture, and some things aren't. Um, yep. But what I want to say, or at least I feel that they're not. Maybe your culture in the area is different than ours. Please sound off in our group. Tell us about it. Um, The reason why I want to say what I'm saying is that this is shit posting journalism is what this is. So their guitar world has been doing that for years. These, these best of guitar. And and, and I'm going to give to another one here in a second. I get roped into them all the time though. You see these lists like 10 best or whatever. And you're like, Oh yeah, I want to see that. You know? Yep. And then you go, what the people have a tendency to want to rank things. It's, it's about being competitive and Jim's holding up a magazine. We're going to get to in a second. Um, (laughs) And what I wanted to say, this is shit posting journalism because they know that some of these choices are controversial. And right. they saw the list before they published this and decided that this was worth it. They knew that this was going to be kind of trolly and that people were going to get um, upset and bent out of shape. You know, I, honestly, I'm not bent out of shape. I, I could care less. I don't I don't buy Guitar World magazine. Um, I only go to their page when it like shows up in my Facebook feed and it's something I'm actually interested in looking at. So Jim, Jim is holding the magazine that he bought. Because Jim does um, that. <laughs> I have like three years left on subscription. Yeah, okay. I don't even know if it's going to last. Can't end fast long. enough, right? <laughs> um, I literally rarely read half of it. Where it used to be a cover-to-cover read about two days. Uh, you know, well this now is three quarter reading. of it's uh, three quarter of it's uh, just advertising. So, yeah. So <clears throat> speaking of shit posts, let's just jump right in here. So this uh, actually it was uh, the January I think issue. Let me make a look. Yep. So January 2020 issue of Guitar World Magazine um, has the 20 guitarists of the decade. Now, this is where I – This is I, the companion to the other article. Yeah, and, and so that's what I thought everybody was talking – I didn't actually read guitar albums. I, <clears throat> that that was my fault. When I saw your post in the in the group, I saw just, thought you were referring to this article. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had that magazine for a couple of months, and, it's, and it is stupid. So who's number one? It's Mark Tremonti, folks. Mark Tremonti. Honestly, 
a, a lot of people were bitching about it. I, I think he would definitely be in the top five. So I think I, well, I think Jim I'm, and I kind of got back and forth before we did this episode because Jim pulled the magazine to Sean. We kind of went through it, and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I he wouldn't be my pick for number one, but I could right. definitely see him being in that spot. You know what I mean? Number two. Number two is Tosa Nabasi. That makes sense to me. That would make sense. All right. Number three makes sense to me. Eddie Clark mm-hmm. Jr. You All mean right? Gary Clark Jr. Gary Clark. I'm reading backwards. Gary <laughs> Clark Jr. Everybody, I'm holding this up so he can see it. I, can I think I think Gary probably should be like four. But but that's he's definitely one of the guys, you know. All right. I know why. Let's not get and then number it. four. Nita Strauss. I'm Nita surprised Strauss. she's not higher in the list. Yep. Honestly, she's been she's been doing great. Um, but there's another there's another female in this list that should be higher than her. Yes. Number five is obviously John Petrucci. Mm-hmm. For some reason, he always lands. At least he wasn't number one. He's always number one on these things. So at least he was. And and the only reason I think even he was thinking, geez, just get me out of that spot. Do you know why he's high, high, uh, highly ranked on all these lists whenever they do them? It's because there's always a subset of people that are totally into doing the technique stuff that's just like yes. out of this world and that nobody else can do. And, that, and Dream Theater does that. Right. Yeah. Joe Bonamassa, there's no picture. Joe Bonamassa's number six. I'm surprised Guthrie. he's not higher than Petrucci this year, to be honest with you. Honestly, yeah. I ooh, I went to see uh, Bonamassa. I, I, I think he's great. Uh, Guthrie Govan, number seven. Polyphia. So they picked the whole band? They picked more than one person. Um, Not sure why, but Polyphia. That's the only one where they picked a a group of people. Um, Mateus Asado. Okay. I wouldn't. I I don't know about that one. John Mayer. Honestly, I know everybody's going to slam on me here. I'm I'm surprised he's not higher on the list, too. I can't believe he didn't get one of those albums, guitar album things. But because what he's doing in the last ten years, ha- yeah, he hasn't really released a lot. I'm wondering well, he, if it's because there's not been another trio record. Yeah, Jason Richardson, uh, Saint Vincent. She was low in my impression. Yeah, right? that's she's what I was going to say. She should be up there with Nita at a higher level, and not because she's a female, but because she's a trendsetter, right? Like, look at look at what she's done, right? So she's been in several bands and then all of a sudden she's getting all these endorsement deals and she's everywhere. You're seeing her on late night talk shows and there are definitely both men and women being inspired to play by her. Um, I I mean, I've talked to people who are like, yeah, no, I really like what she's done as St. Vincent. Um, I'm surprised that Andy Clark is not higher on that list. I really am. And even their own write up, it says, um, that she has most extreme and unearthly sounds out of a guitar, even if half the time it's hard to tell it's what you're hearing is yeah, a guitar at all. Yeah. In Clark's hands, the instrument yelps, roars, rides, growls, warbles, squeals, and rumbles, and it erupts the sh- um, in shards of spiky dissonance at one moment and folds itself into a modulated agony or ecstasy the next. That otherworldly extends um, that other otherworldliness extends to her instrument. The unusually shaped and the uniquely appointed Ernie Ball music man. That right there says she's doing new stuff, mm-hmm. and and yet she's number twelve. I just I just think she I think people pay attention to her a lot more than Guitar World thinks they do. Yeah, Sinister Gates. 
I just want to move on from there. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just not dwell on that one. <laughs> Another good one, Misha Mansoor. Yeah. All right. Misha Mansoor. Uh, Derek Trucks. Definitely thought he would be higher. Uh, no, I could see him be hanging back a little bit. And the, and the only reason is because the bulk of his like insane work has been done already. I mean, it was done yeah. in the last decade. So, But everything he's doing now, if any group should be there, Susan's name yeah, should be right there. Yeah, trucks, right. Uh, let's see. Kiko Loret. Kiko. Excuse me, guys. I'm not good at um, last names like that. Kiko Lorero, Lorero couldn't even tell you who that Lur- is. Lorero, say he's always from Megadeth, right? Megadeth, yep. Yeah, I can't keep track of who their lead players are. No, I don't think even the lead guitar players <laughs> can keep track. Of who I don't lead think players. they even know who their lead guitar players. <laughs> just, There's a chance if you join Megadeth that you won't know who preceded you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Joe Satriani, I'm actually. Um, not surprised that he's on the list. Eric Gales. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not higher. Yep, me too. Uh, Trey Anastasio. Again, I'm actually he's surprised a he's not higher. He's a juggernaut too. And number 20, Steve Vai, who almost always – Yeah, I'm surprised list. he's not even on the – you know, like he's that low on the list. But but again, um, he really hasn't done a whole lot in the last decade. I mean, he's kind well, he's of relaxed. Been, and what he's been doing for guitar is finding these new guitar players. I mean, he is behind yeah, yeah, as a, a lot of the names that we just spoke. Sure. Um, I think that so if we're gonna talk about the, the journalism here, I think the the issue the the magazine um list is a lot better than the list yeah. they posted online, which tells you what what's what's their driving force here. Online, they need to get people to be enticed and then angry, so they'll share it. Whereas the magazine version needs to deliver what people are expecting to see. Um, yeah, and that's the difference in, in consistent journalism here. So, dangers of social media, folks. If you see a ten best list, just stay away from it. Don't don't waste your time. Sorry, sorry, Robert. I know you do your ten best lists, um, but. And he doesn't. He he admits. At least Robert admits. He, he knows it's all. It's his all opinion. about the clickbait. <laughs> it's all his opinion, and he and knows it's clickbait. Right. right, and it's his opinion, and that's the thing about any of these lists. Whether you you build them from average opinion or you build them from a single opinion, it's all opinion. I and you know what they say about opinions. Yeah. Well, um, actually, yeah. I'm more interested in like what Reverb's been doing when they do their ten best lists, like ten best selling lists, because. They're based on sales. They're not asking people. Right. So, I mean, it's pretty hard for them to lie to you. Yeah, numbers are numbers, are numbers people. Matter of fact, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the what's the one in Germany? Um, the big the big sales place in Germany um, that, that we talk about all the time. Come on, I'm drawing a blank. It starts with a T. Tolman. 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 <clears throat> all right, Tolman had a, um, has been putting out a bunch of, Videos they obviously recorded months ago with uh, chappers, and one of the one of the videos they just put out was three of the guitars that don't sell that are over a thousand pounds or euros, and uh, it was interesting because all three of those guitars, um, I think it was three, it was three or four. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I only remember three of them, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them. Was Jackson, and I was 
I wasn't surprised because you're talking about European numbers and you're talking about a guitar that's not made in the States. And uh, so um, I, I, I have to look at, you know, like, okay, it's, it's, it's made overseas. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a custom, it's to call them custom, some kind of custom shop thing. Yeah. So you're talking about Jackson. Yeah. So the, the, it was some kind of custom thing mm-hmm. and, uh, it was, I was surprised. I was shocked at how much it cost. Mm-hmm. And both, um, Chapman and the the guy from Tolman agreed it was way overpriced. Like silly. Well, customs are so Jackson Customs, uh, the Custom Select or whatever is their Customs Shop series. Right. Okay. So I don't know how expensive this guitar was, but um, I know that they can be ten thousand plus. Um, and that's because Jackson has a pretty high end custom shop. Um, there was a time where I was having a conversation with somebody and they were telling me that like Jackson was a really good custom shop to get guitars for an inexpensive price. And I think you could get custom guitars out of them for like three to four K now, obviously they've capitalized on, on that. Plus they're also owned by Fender now. Right. So, um, if a Fender Stratocaster, which is considered kind of basic is three grand from a custom shop, then obviously a Jackson, which has, you know, compound radius neck and, you know, fluid rust trim and um, aggressive electronics, maybe some different cutaway, cutaways and all that stuff is going to be more like um, 4000 5000 right? That's that's kind of the mindset there. Um, not necessarily that really is that much of a discrepancy of price, um, but that's basically how they're kind of rationalizing that, I think, is, you know, this idea that, you're getting more guitar for your money. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, if you're, so if you're in the market for a metal guitar today, I, I, I find it very difficult to, um, I mean, and I'm probably going to date myself. It's not really stupid, but like get into Jackson when, you know, Fender also has Charvel out there and there's Schecter. Um, I, I think Schecter for the money is just, honestly probably a better value um and i also feel like uh if you're gonna go the the crazy like multi-string thing you could get um an abasi concepts guitar or something like that or you could get a strandberg um or a keysel even um for you know a lot less money than you're gonna pay going to a custom shop jackson so yeah i would agree with their statement that a custom shop Jackson is probably pretty overpriced. Yep. And then it was a Nags. <clears throat> Another overpriced guitar, in my opinion. Yep. Um, um, well, so it depends. You're paying for aesthetics. Um, I don't feel like a Nags because I, because I've played two. I've had, I've had my hands on two of them. I don't feel like Nags played much better than a, than a core model PRS. Well, all right, so correct me if I'm wrong. Nags was a custom shop PRS builder. Am I correct? More than one. Yeah. Several people Some left. of them left the company. Several. To say, uh, okay, we can do it better ourselves. Yes. Or um, at least as well. 
they left because they were pissed that Paul Reed Smith would not build their designs. Right. That that's what it was. And frankly, I'm going to pull up the Nag site. I'm going to go through some of their models since we're talking about them. Um, I don't. I, I'm not, I I don't think their guitars are that great looking. No. Um. So, uh, they do the creation series. Let me see if I can just find some models. I just want to see some models. So the another one of these places that has to have like this segmented product line that's too damn hard to follow. Yeah. Um, they literally have guitars on their site that don't have pictures next to them. Are you are you kidding me? Wow. I do not like this already. Well, their site is horrible. And to be honest, the best way to search for nags it's just is on search. reverb. <laughs> yeah. Um so let's see. Well, we're gonna do that because I think we're gonna find some better pictures. Um, I know some people who are actually like nags collectors and stuff, so I don't want to, I don't want to ruffle your feathers too much. But I think your guitars are ugly. Um, there's the Kanai, yeah, which is kind of telly like. Um, I don't like that thing. That's ugly. Oh my god, I the Chesapeake series. Right. So there's their Stratocaster. <laughs> yeah, their Chesapeake is basically the same thing as the um, Silver Sky. Yep. Um, and then. I don't know. Well, so, so mean, they have they have some sort of like strats. They have some with a bridge humbucker. Um, they have some with funky bridges on them. Uh, they I mean, obviously the the details here are crazy. Like they have these insane quilt tops, um, yeah. purfling and stuff, and and crazy body binding that's like on a carved top guitar, not carved top, but like a bevel top. Yep. Um, and stuff like that. And they're sharp looking guitars from the uh, the wood selection side of things. Um, but I just don't feel like. I mean, honestly, I would rather have a Novo than this. $4,800 yeah, dude. for their S-type guitar. Yep. Give me a friggin' yep. break. And it's all because of the wood. It has nothing to do with the parts. Um, and, and honestly, in my opinion, it has nothing to do with the fit and finish. I, I've played, you know, two of them now. Um, one at CME. I figure where I came across the other one, but I just was not impressed. Uh, I felt like you can get a lot more guitar for your money by going to PRS and then customizing what you need. Um, I don't know. And then, and of wow. course, they have the Nag Severn, which is basically a PRS, right? Yep, yep. Um, that's a straight-up PRS knockoff. And, and you know, Paul hasn't sued him as far as I know, but... Well, you would think, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, obviously, it would be difficult to sue him. He's going to build the guy nags and the, and the folks that went with him are going to build with the same, uh, they're artists. They were woodworkers, luthiers. They're yeah, going to yeah. build the way they built at, you know, at, at well, PRS with just I, the difference being. I have, there's more, I have a feeling there's more of the story about why they left PRS and oh, it wasn't sure. like they all left at once. Like one guy left and then a couple of years later, somebody else left and then they went and joined nags because they're in the same place. And dude, I gotta say, so I'm scrolling through Reverb. I'm looking at new nags, right? I'm just I'm looking at new ones, brand new ones, right? There are hundreds of these things sitting on the market. I mean, I I I can't tell how many listings there are. Hang on, let me see what I can find. So there's 174 on Reverb. Now, for a company that's producing four and five thousand dollar guitars, um, all the way up to ten thousand dollar guitars, maybe even beyond that. 
this seems like a nuts number. This seems like they're producing more than people are buying. That's that's what it sounds like to me. Um, the, I don't think their market is as big as they think it is. And maybe the dealers are are partially to blame for this. But uh, it just seems like... I, like Novo, you're not going to find... So if I was to search for new Novos right now, yeah, which is which is a guitar company that's probably similar in size. That's why I brought them up. Yeah. Um, well, while you're doing that, one of, I think one of Nag's biggest problems is that their biggest, uh, their biggest front uh, uh, artist is Steve Stevens. No, I'm sorry, new, no, new Novos twenty twenty four of them for sale right now. Yeah, twenty four. That's three times as many for Nag's. Yeah, and as a much higher price tag. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. That um, just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Maybe we could get somebody from Nags to talk to us. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see where their numbers are coming from, their expectation, you know, the marketing. Well, uh, there must be a market for it. I mean, uh, they've been around for seven or eight years at this two point. Years, I mean, yeah, you can't yeah. be just running off a bank loan after seven or eight years. No, no. Um, Steve Stevens. So the whole thing of like, oh, yeah, Steve Stevens sees him. That guy will use anything if you pay yeah. him. Um, and it's been pretty pretty obvious that it's been that way for a long time. I remember he was a Godin endorser. Um, he was a Gibson endorser for a while before that. Yep. yep. And then he he went to PRS, I think, before he ended up over at Nags. Makes or he sense. was or he was a PRS endorser before he was a, a Godin endorser. So yeah. and I mean like endorser, like give me the money kind of endorser. Right. And so to see him move over to nags is like not surprising but kind of like yeah big deal you know you got him endorsing your stuff who else you got yeah um well, i it's saw just some funny other names in this list uh because one of his most famous solo is done with a toy gun over the pickup <laughs> yeah it's like not even a guitar it's just him making noises yeah it was a, um, it was a, it was one of those toy guns that puts out electronic uh um you know those little sparks and he put it over the gut yeah. over the pickups and he shot it and he got that, woo, 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 you know, that well, thing. and the, the Steve Stevens model is like as close as they can get to being a Les Paul without being sued. Yeah. You know, because these days everybody's getting sued for it. Um, well, they even say right on their website, it's a Les Paul style guitar without all the money to. They might want to lose that language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's literally right there. Doug Rappaport is another uh, another endorser of theirs, but I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Doug Rappaport. I don't um, know. I, I don't know. I will say this: point. as you go, as you troll through the 124 guitars on Reverb, none of them look the same. None of them are even similar. Oh no! I think they're, that that's the they're one completely thing. custom shop, right? Deal, which is fine. Uh, I don't think anybody expects PRS to be complete custom shop anymore. No, they graduated away from that a long time ago, and so maybe that's why he left. Um, got tired might of be. building the same guitar over and over and over. Um, which is okay, I guess. I don't know. It depends. I mean, if he was working in the custom shop, then he got to build whatever the custom shop. But then again, it's Wildwood says, I want 10 of these. Or, you know, uh, yeah, it's wherever not wants eight of those. People seem to think that the custom shop is always dealing with the cl the customer, and it's usually not. No, it's usually the, the, the customer is a bulk purchaser, like Guitar Center, <laughs> purchasing 25 custom shops. Now here's a Chesapeake Series Seven with a yep. um, denim denim flame or yeah, it's a flame. Yeah, um, looks very quilty. 
and it's then gorgeous. some sort of quilted back and it's got silver around the edges. Yeah. Um, that's a gorgeous looking guitar. I actually like that. Um, it's being sold from kind of Seoul, Korea. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that Nags is a bigger seller. They might uh, be bigger overseas. I could see that being the case. Yeah. So I don't know. Um I man, it, I'm hard pressed to say I, I wouldn't buy a Nags. I'm not interested in Nags. Um but I just think for the terms of this show, practical guitarist. These guitars are way out of the realm of affordability for most folks. Yeah. Um, and to spend $5,000 on a single guitar, you got to have some balls. Like, you got to be the dude that's like, you know what? I only need one guitar to play every gig in my life. So I had a, I had a friend, <clears throat> we were talk, t- talking about expensive guitars. And I don't want to tell you how the, we got to this point. I'll, I'll tell you on the side, but I don't want this to be. But so we were, we were talking and uh, we were talking about how the – New uh, Ultra from from Fender makes the guitar itself just too expensive. It's it's it makes the guitar the um, too expensive for what it is for what it provides. And uh, I mean, I've had several people tell me the same thing that that the Ultra is just not the the step ahead that they expected. The step above that they expected, and don't really see um, that. And and the only reason I bring that up is because when the elites went out, the elites came down to under two grand, which is probably right around where they should be. But this is what this is what he w- said was funny, and this is where we thought it was funny. So an Eric Clapton model comes in, we're shining it up, put it on the wall, black. It's it's a um, it's a uh, blacky um, replica, right type thing. Sure. But not custom shop replica. And the new ultras are higher than that guitar. And that guitar's got more in it and more stuff in it. And and we're just wondering, you know. Uh, so I guess that really comes down to what you're willing to pay for the feature set and what your return yep. on investment is. So um when I go to a store and I sit down with a guitar. I do evaluate, okay, so what are the features like? Like, that's one of the first things I look at. So it's got, got trim. Does it have, um, you know, what kind of controls does it have? Um, and it's more or less from, like, my player's perspective, like, what I want. Um, there are definitely times where I go to the store and I'm like, I want a fixed bridge, you know, or I want, you know, this and that. So I might be willing to pay a little bit more either way. I do think most people think that fixed bridge guitars should be cheaper than tremolo guitars. I'm not really sure why. Um, because quality materials and stuff is like a big part of that. Um, and we know that you can cheap out on a tremolo system and still get more money out of a guitar. Like when it's sold at, you know, retail, um, and it could be crappier than your cheapo fixed bridge. Right. Totally makes sense. You following? Um, so I kind of, I don't know. I look at it this way. I don't think I would buy – I think there are certain features that, that are like certain price points that I would look for. So like if I was buying a Squire, I just look for the basic features. I don't really care about the quality of the bridge. I don't really care about the you know that stuff. When you get to 1000 bucks, then you start worrying about like what are the frets made out of? What are – you know, 
Uh, what's the bridge made out of? What are the electronics like? You get to 1500, you're like, okay, so now what does the finish look like? Um, how Are there any flaws in it? Um, what is the wood quality like? And that really starts around 1000, but I mean, it, it, it goes in that, that span, right? And then you go from 1500 to 2000, and then it's like details. It's like, does the nut look like it's been properly, you know, like filed, like this have been shimmed properly so it's the right height or you know, those kind of things. And then if you go into like the 2000 plus range, it becomes a question of features again, too, because it's like, okay, so what's the heel like? What's the, um, you know, what's the, the resonance of the body like? And then you get into these like real super detail oriented things. Um, and I think even it's like, if you were going to try to convince me to buy a $2,500 guitar, it better be great looking flame top or quilt top or something like that. It needs to be, um, I would say understated opulence, but you know, it, it needs to be like something that would be attractive to me specifically, which means that not every guitar will be, um, especially in those features. It's like DNA and fingerprints. You know, it's like you can look for a bunch of people. If you're looking for a world fingerprint, you might find one on somebody. Um, and then the other component of that is that it's got to be the right finished color. It's got to be all these different. I, I mean, every checkbox gets, has to get checked at that $3,500 price point for me to even be interested. I've yeah. never bought a guitar. This is, this is how, how few guitars would actually check all those boxes. I've never bought a guitar over 2000 bucks. I can't say that I haven't. No, in the last you, few days, yeah, Jim, you can't say that you haven't. <laughs> In multiple times. I mean, in um, the last six months, I, I would not be surprised to find out that you bought the same guitar for over what? two grand. That would never happen. Yeah. Um, how many, how many PRSs have you had in the last two years? I know you've had two uh, PRS Floyds. Those were under grand. Yeah. Still 800 bucks, 900 bucks. I mean, and I've had one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's just say that that uh, they, the times they are a changing, but that's something you and I have to discuss offline. Yeah, but um, yeah, the, the the thing is that that when I look at um, when I look at Fender, I look at a company that's doing some really great things. I really, I, first of all, I can't tell you that I don't like an Ultra. I know it's a double negative because I really do like the guitar. Okay, I just don't know if I like it twenty three hundred dollars or whatever it is. Because as much as the the um, guitar is is really nice, it's still a block of wood um, that's not really. I know there's just not that much um, figuring done to it. I look at it like a, if I was to look at a Gibson, uh, to me a Stratocaster is an SG. It's not really a because um, it's a Stratocaster is a fancy Pallycaster. I mean, so to I'm, me, I'm I can be wrong. I'm looking right now at Thunder American Ultra Stratocasters. Yep. They're $18.99. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna call your bluff. Would you buy a Silver Sky at $18.99? You're not, you're looking at an Ultra Stratocaster for $18.99? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not too bad. They're not as expensive um, as people are making them out to be. And nope. I think most people would say, yes, I would buy a Silver Sky at 1899. I, I, I would pay. I would pay. No, I actually wouldn't buy the Silver Sky at 1899. I would pay 1899 for an Ultra. For some reason, I thought they were at 2200. 
here's here's my point. The Silver Sky sells like hotcakes. So much so that they've introduced a bunch of new colors. Yep. And it's $2,300. Not yep. $1,899. Nope. And that's why I'm saying, yeah, we may not be the people that are like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But they're definitely that's, out there. <laughs> that's purely a demand thing. They're definitely um, out there. And and the other part of this is that um, the feature set thing, I mean, basically they're the same feature set. There's, I mean, of course, it's got the CE body. Uh, I think the neck joint is actually fatter on the Silver Sky, though. I think it's it's Definitely. not like the CE. Definitely. Um, I, I, it's been a while since I played one. Uh, some of our listeners have seen me play one before, so they know I have definitely played one. Um, you know, that's a guitar. Like, if I see the right one, I might, I might uh, buy in. I do think, um, I do think I'm waiting for the SE version. I'm yeah, holding out for of, next year. Yeah. Because I, I really think the SC is going to come out next year. They Dude, they've got, they're selling one, two, three, four, five, six, seven colors of the Silver Sky now. That's unheard of for PRS in one guitar, unless it's a custom model that you can order the color you want. Um, right. So if they're doing seven different variations on this thing, this thing's selling like hotcakes. They know they're going to be uh having to do an SE at some point in the future. Now maybe yep. SE may only be one color, but it's I think it's gonna happen. I think it's inevitable at this point. Um okay I, I know what I was thinking of now. I was thinking of the Fender American QMT. It's the quilted um uh quilt top stratocaster in in the uh Ultra series. That's a it's a limited edition. Yeah but that's a that's a guitar center exclusive too. Yeah, and that's our experience. which. So that's the one that's twenty five hundred bucks. Here's why I want to. Here's why I want to point this out to you though. So twenty five hundred bucks from Guitar Center with with all the bells and whistles. So Guitar Center has the top of the line guitar coming from Fender, and they have it exclusively, which means that that guitar, even though it should only be priced at twenty one hundred dollars, is yep. being sold at twenty five hundred because they know yep. they have a monopoly on that market. So absolutely, you can't. You don't. You can't price match that guy. You're absolutely right on that particular model. Um, yep. I think that's ridiculous. I would never buy that. And it's mostly be unless it was used. Um, because then the price will be more reasonable. Um, right. And I really think that they're doing that specifically because this is an exclusive deal and it's only available through us. And we have the top of the line thing because our relationship with Fender is so good, that which means our hand is so far up their ass that we can feel their prostate. Absolutely. If they have a, I don't know, Fender might be a, uh, of the more right. feminine persuasion or somewhere in between. So, yep. I, and again, I love the ultra. I think the ultra is a really nice guitar. Um, I guess, you know, yeah, yeah I guess at 1900 bucks. Yeah. I, I'm good with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would like run out and buy that model. I think there's some great guitars and fenders line that offer good features. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think that the heel is worth that amount of money. I'm just saying, like, if that's no. what you're wanting, I could definitely see $1,800 be a marketable price for that guitar. All right. So, yeah, the, exactly. Now, as far as the, the better values of the Performer Series, which is the is now the American Standard, okay, I think that's a great value. If you want an American, if you really want the American one, it's right at $1,000. It's $1,100, but it's right at about $1,000. Um, 
So the performer series is really good. The player series, if you're okay with the with the Mexican, um, is really good. And I gotta tell you, we got some of the new classic vibes in. We got a we got a classic vibe uh, that uh, we got several. We got a classic vibe in that's got the um, uh, the thin line. Holy smokes, they did a great job. They really did a great job. Um, and that's what I was going to get to. The classic vibe series that they've got now, which is an upgrade. Um, some of the stuff that they've been doing uh, is just super hot. And, and for $400. And a, and a drop in price, too, if I, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, it's $399, which is a drop in price from what it was in the $400 series. Or $400 series. Or, um, that was like 425 numbers. or something before, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, look, I don't think if you want to, if you want to Stratocast, let's say, let's say, stop for a minute. If you want a Stratocaster and you want a Stratocaster with all the features the Ultra has, um, yeah. there's some other places you can go to get a similar guitar for like reasonable amount of money. Um, I could say GNL, GNL's prices have gone up. That's probably not necessarily as true anymore. Um, I think you would be better served to look at some of like the more obscure offerings, like the, the new um, import Nick Johnson guitar. Um, yep. I would look at use silver skies. I would look at um, which I think they're still going for quite a bit, but, but you find someone who's going to be reasonable about it and I'll bet you can get your hands on a use silver sky. Um, I think Kiesel is an option. Um, it's got a better heel on it. I think the PRS – so this is why I think the Ultra is kind of silly. Um, I could buy a PRS CE for like $200 more. Why right. would I buy an Ultra? Like it doesn't make sense from that perspective. I feel like we've we've had this conversation before. So I'm going to I'm gonna defer yeah. on that one. But um, All right. So I want to say uh, – while we're talking about PRS, I want to say congratulations to one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. Who, who interviewed – to work at PRS, and uh, he's got a second interview coming up um, where he's actually going to work uh, for a shift, uh, my understanding. So, Jay, if you're listening, congratulations. Um, good, and and we, good luck, obviously. Yeah, and, great, and also great luck. We all got prayers, and we're all, we're all behind you. Um, we want to see you uh, over there. And we don't need your insider awesome. dirt. It's nice, nope. but we don't need it. <clears throat> nope. We just want you to know that uh, – all of us um, probably would love to be in your shoes in one way or another, but uh, you know, whether it's PRS or somewhere else, but um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, a fan. So hopefully you're working there. And when I come up for PRS experience, I can see you. Dude, so. I'm looking at, now this is bad. Cause now we're, now I'm on reverb bearing a show and I'm looking at other stuff. We can stop this. <laughs> we're, we're, sh we're shopping. So it's Christmas Eve. So today's Christmas Eve. This, this is this is yes. Now now I feel better. This is justified. That's right. It's Christmas Eve. So we're shopping. So I went out and I bought myself three of these. I cannot ex I cannot express to you how expensive these, these are. Great pick up picks, and they are not expensive, Jim. I will no, send no, you an I'm expensive pick if you'd like. No, I know. I'm just saying for for your production uh, uh, in the store. Pick sure three picks. Um, I think they're seven dollars customer price or whatever um but these are great they're the prime tone uh jim dunlops i got myself a couple of 88s because i like these for acoustic um i like it to be a little floppier with acoustic than normal 
All right, can we can we stop stop for a second? <laughs> I, there's something I did want to talk about. So I'm on the hunt. Um, I don't have any money, but I am on the hunt, and it's gonna be a, probably a long process before I actually make something happen. But um, I want to get a grab and go combo, and I want something that I can use as the primary amp in Old Stumpy. Um, preferably one by twelve, one by ten would actually be even better. Um, small reverb quality reverb good sounding reverb uh think fender reverb if possible um and effects loop uh doesn't need to be multiple channels in fact i actually kind of prefer to be one channel um which goes against everything i know um but just for this for this project right and i've been looking um i've been looking at crab and goes and literally i just typed into uh, sweetwater's website grab and go and (laughs) I want to share with our listeners what came up here. So JHS is loud is more good milkman, which is twenty six hundred dollars. Uh-huh. The Bogner Gold fifth, uh, Finger uh, fifty four PHI sixty six watt uh, one by twelve that's twenty five hundred dollars, and the Mesa Boogie Triple Crown TC fifty, which is not grab and go, folks. It has wheels on it. <laughs> okay, it comes from the factory with wheels on it. Which when you, you grab a leash. It's like a dog. You just <laughs> that tells you it's not going to be light, right? So, um, right. what I and and what I have looked at already, um, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards right now. I'm not super thrilled with this idea. Um, is the Friedman uh, Pink Taco Mini Combo, which is a 20 watt one by ten. It's a tiny little lamp. Um, they're like. I can get one used for like thirteen hundred, twelve hundred. Um, they're seventeen ninety nine new. Um, but the whole point would be like this is a tiny grab and go thing. So, so I want to go through the the um, specs on it for the purposes of what I'm doing, which um, I believe the weight on these is right at thirty pounds. I mean that's pretty good for a tube amp. Um, it's twenty watts. It's got a G ten green back in it. Uh, three three 12x7s, two E-L-E-D-4s. Um, I'm not dead set on this one yet. I, I actually think that there's a better value in uh, Dr. Z-U's. Um, but I want to get something that like is super simple, like volume control, tone knob, and um, I really don't need maybe a reverb level if it's got reverb. It doesn't have reverb. It's got to have an effects loop. And so that's a problem with Dr. Z's is they have to be modded for an effects loop a lot of times. Um, yep. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. If anybody has anything, like they know of anything that's like inexpensive, less than a grand, right at a grand, that isn't like a run-of-the-mill um, Marshall Origins or something like that. I, I, I don't, I'm not poo-pooing the Marshall Origins line. I just don't think there's enough there for me. Um and actually, as I look at the the PT, I don't even think it has an effects loop, which is going to be a problem because I have to have reverb and delay. Right. So that might have just kicked itself out of the uh, the mix right there. I don't, yep. No, it does have an effects loop. It's just hidden. It's underneath the chassis or something. Well, as you know, I was trying to find the same thing. And I decided to stick with the Katana. So Yeah, I mean, I well, so the thing is I'd like to – and I said it was a rehearsal amp originally – it's not going to be a rehearsal. Line. This is going to be what I'm probably going to take wherever I go. I did a thing last night. We did a, we did a video shoot for a promotional video. Um, 
and we're gonna give the promo video out to local bars to get gigs and stuff and the whole the whole point was like i can do the um the promo thing and then you know whatever and i brought my i brought my camper i brought my one by 12 cabinet um we played acoustically pretty much i'm the only plugged in i'm the only member of the band that really has to be plugged in um we yeah. do have a we did have a piano player yesterday he's not a regular um and uh his wife sat in on on acoustic guitar as well and and sang she she sings harmony vocals and sings you know lead actually in their in their act as well um yep. and i'm totally okay with like this whole process, but I feel like I need to get something that's a little bit more manageable for what I want to do. Um, I could go down to as little as five Watts probably and be totally okay. I might actually buy a Marshall class five again. Um, yeah. even the combo version. Cause I, yep. it, they, that thing was super light, small. It was loud enough. I get a gig with it. Um, and it, you can control it all with a volume knob. There's not much bad you can say about um, about that amp other than it doesn't have reverb. I don't think the Class 5 had an effects loop, but I could be wrong on that. Let's look. Effects loop. I know the 20 does. Well, the 20 CR. Uh, yeah, I don't. So I don't think I want to get um, the 20, though, because it's a little bit more modern sounding. I want something that's kind of like on the verge of being. Uh, yeah, there's no effects, but I'm sure it could be modded for one. And for the price you yeah. pay for a class five, it might be worth it. There are yep. only um, you can get them for about 400 bucks used between 350 and 400 bucks. They came with a Celestian G10. It is my assumption is a greenback 16 ohms yep. uh, with a headphone output, which suggests that you can probably put an, uh, an effects loop on there. Um, right. They're small. They only have three tubes. It's one EL84, two 12AX7s. Uh, um and I, they're under 30 pounds they're 26 pounds um right. and they sound really good they sound like a they sound like a little bitty plexi um so i think that might be the way for me to go um just because i can get away with it and then i can carry that around and um do these little club dates with a microphone and yep. honestly it it'll be a lot less hassle than having to haul a big Kemper rig and a pedal board and like all this different stuff that it's great. It sounds great. I have nothing to complain about in terms of that, but just going to rehearsals where you're going up and down stairs and like trudging through somebody's house. I'm always concerned that I'm going to bang into their wall, <laughs> tear it up. I'm not concerned about my big gear. I mean, I, I've got cases and stuff for everything, but um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I Part of me is like, yeah, dude, I should just get another class five. But then the other part of me is like, dude, don't buy something. You're just going to end up selling on down the road. Just right. buy the buy something that's like really good that's going to hold its value and that you can hold on. To. Yeah, I mean it, that that kind of discounts Doctor Z out too because they don't hold their value. You can spend no. three grand on a Doctor Z and then and then sell it for a thousand bucks. Yep, that's unfortunate, but it's true. Yep. So if you know of anything else, any other recommendations for super small amps with like single channel, um, very simple tone controls, if it's got reverb, that's a plus. Uh, effects loop is a plus. Let me know. Uh, the other one I'm going to look at is a Black Star Artisan again, or the yeah. uh, um, artist or whatever the artist 15 watt because I actually like the sound of that one. Um, it's the yep. only Black Star I've ever plugged into. Where I was like, yeah, I could do that. Yep. So anyway, they're they're surprisingly light. Yeah the the artist. Yeah. That's because yeah. the cabinets made out of shit. 
Yep. Well, yeah. um, <laughs> so the new, uh, if we could get one in and I could, you know, like we could play around with it long enough. Those new, um, uh, Tone, what is it? Tone Master or Tone Meister? Oh, or whatever. gosh. I'm looking at the Artist 15. How many controls? I mean, it's just crazy. I know, right? <laughs> volume, tone, gain volume, bass, metal, treble, ISF, reverb, two two reverbs, a master volume, and, yep. and it's channel switching. And this is supposed to be a vintage style amp, and it's 730 bucks. You know what this is? I know what this is. You probably do, too. This is a deluxe reverb. Yep. It's very much like in that vein of things. Um, I guess I just need to look for like five to fifteen watt tube amps, and just how much did you say that was? Eight hundred dollars. Holy shit! Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Who's gonna pay that? Not me. For for Blackstar. Yeah, yeah. Blackstar does not have a great reputation, despite what people may tell you. Um. I know a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Blackstar is great. And then you ask them, how many have you owned? Uh, none. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just played them a lot in stores. Or, or my favorite yeah. YouTuber uses them. Um, yeah, so it's got to be good. If my favorite YouTuber uses them, got to be good. I mean, honestly, I could I could do the Amp 1 Iridium, I suppose. It's still too complicated. But then you're still going. You're... you're you're almost in the same thing. The only difference is you've gotten rid of one foot. Well, switch. I would I would just put the thing in my bag, hot. and that would be all I would take. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I do, I still don't feel like there's the perfect amp for me, which would be just like a little bitty Marshall, like ten watt that didn't you know. Uh. That, so the origin. What what order? I think the origin twenty is the. Uh. The um. 20, it's probably 20C is the uh, 10 inch model, right? I think. Yeah. Um, what do they weigh? Maybe I should look at them more seriously. But I know a lot of people are saying that they're not that great. That, yeah, on paper, they're really good. 30 pounds even. Then on paper, they're really good. But then you get them and they're not as good as you think they're going to be. Um, yeah. I've played, I played at least one. I It was not a super memorable experience. Um, I just think that. I don't think they get gainy enough on that single channel. I think a Dr. Z is probably more um, more up my alley. But the problem I have with Dr. Z is like they all sort of sound the same. And they sort of sound like something between a Fender and an AC30. And I don't really want mine to sound that way. I guess I could buy one and put a different speaker in it. I mean, that's that's an option. Um, look for like a Carmen Gia or something and put a, put a greenback in it. Yep. And it won't sound like that. Well, I, yeah. What are they even making now? I have to go look. I have lo I haven't looked at Doctor Z's in so long that I now actually have to go look at the model list to find. So I could buy that Nova I played. That was cool. Um, I'd have to get one used. I guess the Jetta is their their inexpensive amp. That's like the their least expensive amp they've ever made or whatever. It's right at right. thirteen hundred bucks. Yep. It is sort of right up my alley. It's got a tone control, a master control, and a volume control. I thought I had right. reverb on it too. I guess not. Uh two twelve AX sevens, two seventy five ninety ones, one five R four rectifier. This is a supra. That's yep. my guess. Thirty watts. I don't know. 
don't think this is that great either. I know this is great. Our listeners are like, why are we listening to David Shop? Like, this is horrible. It's actually kind of interesting. I think you're getting a getting a feel for uh, the thought process of somebody who's who's ridiculous like me, and will just it goes goes through all this crap, and then doesn't buy anything anyway because you know I'm cheap and it's I a, need to be cheap. I all I know is that uh, when I go when I go shopping, I, I shop. So when I pick a guitar, I pick. I pick three three ways. If it isn't if it isn't pretty, I don't want to look. I don't want to buy it. Okay, and I know that sounds silly, but just hear me all the way through. If it's pretty, if it isn't pretty to me, I'm not going to pick it up. Then, if it's pretty, does it feel good? Does it feel good? Does it sound good? And those are the those are the three things I have to I have to put into place. Now I know some people who say if it doesn't sound good, excuse me, if it doesn't sound good, uh, um. In uh, their uh, to them when they're playing it acoustically, then they don't want it. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I do suppose that I care if it sounds good acoustically, but only to a certain point when it comes to um, to a guitar mm-hmm. that's electric, because I I want to play it loud enough that I'm going to hear it, you know, through the amp, and I'm going to hear it, you know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, so um, I I definitely agree with the the looks being part of it, but I I I don't think it matters as much for an amp. I do think nope. it, it does matter, but nope. not as much. Um, when I look at, I that's one thing I can always say about Dr. G's. They've always looked good. Like they don't look bad. Um, I just think that there's a reason why they're identified with country music, which. I just dawned on me. I'm like, I'm here. Like, I don't really want them because I don't like that sound. And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, wait a minute, you dumbass. What are you? What kind of music are you playing right now? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, exactly. Because I'm playing basically country music. And and the funniest part is the um the two profiles I'm using most on my Kemper are both Triple Crown profiles. Yeah, <laughs> I'm using Marshall sounds to to play uh, country music because that's the dude I am, right? Um, right. So they do have some uh, Dr. Z cures on reverb for like 1100. That's that would be a quality instrument. Like that would be worth. I say quality instrument. I, that's not a slip of the tongue, folks. I really do believe the amp is part of the instrument. Um, All right. So I don't know. Maybe I will uh, have to investigate getting a. Um, a doctor's D Dr. Z. of some sort, maybe a used one. A Dr. Z. be saving money for a long time for that. I haven't had an allowance in a while, and I have like $100 my gear fund right now. <laughs> 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 um, I've been committing the cardinal sin of the last couple of months of like selling gear and then not taking the money out of the bank account right away and then forgetting about it. And then just, just like, damn it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. They've got there's a I'm bunch of Doctor Z's for for like under a thousand or right at a thousand dollars, and I think that's a good value. I'm waiting to see what PRS does with the SE line next year. I know that they're coming out with a new Santana model, uh, so and a gold top and the and the 35th anniversary edition, mm-hmm. and so many things. It's crazy. It's crazy. What? 
Heavily. All right. All right, Jim, I'm going to I'm going to send you this and you can laugh and we can talk about this. So this is what happens when I troll reverb. I run into things that are just like, huh? And I want to read. I want to read the listing before we uh, before you say anything. But you can laugh. You're allowed to laugh when you read the listing. Um, But basically, the uh, the title of this listing is heavily modded. Dr. Z eminent speaker GT six L six GE matched pair. Master volume twin stack Fender Blues Deluxe reissue to channel forty watt one by twelve guitar combo. Um, uh, this is a Blues Deluxe. I don't care who modded it. I mean, yeah, Doctor Z is a big name, but he didn't mod it. It's it's got an no. eminent speaker from a Doctor Z speaker. in it. Yeah, it's a Blues. It's a Blues Deluxe. It says Blues Deluxe right on the back. Well, no, and he says it in the listing, but he puts it at the last possible point in the listing. Yeah, all the way at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got like fourteen words before the word heavily modded. Doctor Z, eminent speaker, sixteen. He's making a no big one deal cares of, about your freaking grooves tubes. No one. If you if yeah you, groove tubes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna get really ticked off now. If you read this listing and you're going, oh, but it's got groove tubes in it. If you think anyone thinks groove tubes are good tubes, you are sorely mistaken. Groove tubes <laughs> well, are what you buy to get by. They're not good tubes. They're just what you buy to get by. But this is what's funny. He's putting all this stuff in the front to make it sound like to sell something else. Like this it, amp is super good for $600. Well, ta- he's you tagging buy it so it'll show up in other searches. So when I search for Dr. Right. Z... It's going to show right. up or, or heavily modded or eminent. Yeah. yeah, but but let, let's be honest here. These are mods that are done for a super specific per- person for a super specific reason. And it's not going to increase the value of your item. This is a $400 amp. It is a $400 amp through and through. By the way, if you notice the shipping cost on this, Jim, is $125 yeah. oh. shipping. This puts it at brand new deluxe i might as well just go buy a brand new one it's not you know yeah all jankified exactly because so you know when i see um half the time when i see a mod like this when i see something oh it's modified well first off is the circuit actually modified or did you just put new speakers and new tubes in it that's what it which is, is it's it's that's not a mod tubes. okay that's no. not um well, maybe the speaker might can be considered that but but not in my opinion right like not you tubes, didn't modify the circuit the on the inside of the amp plus these right. came with groove tube stock didn't they right so who cares um i don't know if they're still doing it but that was what fender put stock in, in their amps for the longest time that's because they own groove tubes <laughs> makes sense um then. oh the 6201 12x7 is mil spec uh sorry dude there is no mill spec anymore um the military doesn't use tubes uh that no. they haven't in a really long time actually um well all right being in the military we do but they're very i was gonna say they're very specific applications that they just haven't got the money to replace like radio tubes Right, that's exactly in most mostly in comms. You know, so, when you see a yeah. radio tube, it's like the size of you, which they do exactly. Exist, they would still be using those. Yep. Um, but so would everybody else. Um, Mid scoop. 
Yeah, they call him Claystron Magazine. All right, now, all right, we read the we read the title. I'm sorry, sixty cycle. We're totally stealing your uh, your shtick here, but I have to. Description: This amp has been given a full makeover, and it sounds amazing. I, amazing. It's my primary gigging amp for five years, and it's so amazing. I'm selling it right now with the twin five stack years. and master volume. It's much more flexible than the stock model. It works great at so different volumes. Get us able to produce a very loud forty watts when needed. If you're not familiar, if you're not familiar with the mod, it allows for more flexibility in the EQ profile. More flexible. You can dial in anything from classic tweed sounds to mid-scooped black bass sounds. Dial it in. It works very well with pedals of all kind. The amp was modded by a very reputable amp tech. Will provide contact info upon request. The tweed carries some wear, discoloration, but nothing major. Two some six, random dude. six L GT six L six GE and one twelve AX seven sixty two oh one GE mil spec are included with the price. Will sell for five hundred and twenty five without these three tubes. We'll do local pickup. All right. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go, go, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. So if you pay me five twenty five, I'll sell you an amp without tubes. I, yeah, tube amp without tubes. This is this. Is, I read that whole thing for that line. That line specifically. Holy <laughs> crap! It's like he's giving you a deal. You can have this amp without tubes for five hundred and twenty-five dollars. Wait a minute. Who buys an amp without <laughs> tubes? A tube Not amp. Every... I can buy an amp without tubes. It's called like a Yeah, right, right. It's like it's gonna function without tubes. The tubes just make it better. Um, I I don't know, dude. Like, <sighs> I'm done. You can buy a lot of freaking. You can buy a lot of Fender Blues de, uh, Deluxe reissues for four hundred dollars, folks. Not this six hundred dollar guy, or have him pull the tubes and not put new ones in for you. I honestly just don't. Still charge you more. I don't feel like I should even have to discuss this. If you're listening to this episode and you don't know what's wrong with this, um, you probably haven't played guitar very long. But basically. It, he's selling an amp that's non-functional for less money. It's like here you can buy the amp without tubes and put your own in there. Um, which these are don't even look upgraded to me. They look like groove tubes. Um, and mil spec from groove tube doesn't mean anything. Um, so yeah. we've talked about this on the show before. You buy tubes, like let's say you buy Mesa brand of tubes, and this came up. We're gonna talk about your Blues Junior, right? Um, this came up because Jim was like, my blues junior is super noisy. Uh, and I asked him, I said, is it white noise or is it, um, like 60 cycle hum? And Jim says white noise. It's white noise. It's not a 60 cycle. So I told him, I was like, you get a new, you can get a new 12 AX7 for position one that would, that would cut out a lot of that white noise. Um, and that's because Fender in those, in those inexpensive line of amps just puts the cheapest junk that they have into them. Um, and it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're functional. Um, I have in my bin above me, a 12 AX seven from uh Mesa that's supposed to be low noise. And they are, I've used them in several amps at this point. Um, they're not in any way microphonic. They don't create harsh harmonics or anything like that. They're, they're good sounding right. tubes. Um, and they're not super expensive. And the only difference between the, that 12 AX seven and the 12AX7 from Groove Tubes, either whether it's a GE mill or whatever, is the testing. I mean, they all have different yeah. testing equipment. I, I had to get um, a set of tubes tested. And my understanding was like the equipment they used to test the tubes 
you're using stuff from the 70s and earlier. Um, we had a tube yep. tester from like the 1940s. Then <laughs> we were plugging 12 oh, yeah. south ends into and checking them um, and throwing away the bad ones. Um, and what was what was funny was is like that's exactly what you pay for when you buy groove tubes, right? Oh, they you know they there are branded tubes and they have a number system. That just means they ran them through the machine and they got a spec out of them. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're any better or worse than anything else. Um, and so that's why I'm like, who cares if they're groove tubes um you can put whatever designation you want on these tubes and then at the end of the day the mill spec thing i mean that's so what i'd like to know what your testing groove tubes testing is for mill spec and i use quotation marks right. on my fingers when i say that because um they could just be like saying oh yeah these these all survived their- our testing but that doesn't mean their testing all is their- any better than anybody else's all that mill spec is is it is just like any other um, specification of you know uh, tolerance. That's it. Yeah, that's all the mill spec is. When I stick this frequency in it, what's the tolerance on harmonics on that frequency? That's it. You know, power so on and so forth. So you can't. I'm not saying mill spec is good, but mill spec changed over the years, sure. and so mill spec for tubes. Would have ended somewhere in the 70s. So maybe into the early 80s, but that, they're not really that. Well, mil spec in terms of amplifier, at least for GT, because uh, I'm trying to think of what for 12AX7s, right? That's 12AX7, it's mil spec. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what, or remember what the hell would the 12AX7 have been doing? Probably. What it's doing in there, which is yeah, like radio which is frequency, radio frequency amplification. Um, yeah, amplification, which our mil spec for that, those size tubes and that type of tube, that was This gone. has been your absurd audio engineering broadcast with the practical guitarists. Right. <laughs> um, it's crazy. So I, <laughs> I'm just laughing because mil spec means different things to different parts of the industry, right? Um, so right. like for, for tubes, it means reliability. Right, it's it's a, it's a total rel- now now military spec in general is thought of being as this reliability rating, but it's not necessarily. Right. It also has to do with functionality no. and 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 engineering right. and and engineering in the sense that like it's going to be reliable under certain conditions. And their conditions are not- right. notably harsh. Um, yes. Okay. So yeah. So let's talk about mil spec for a second because it depends on the mil spec. So some mil specs are written differently because of exactly what what David was referring to, and that is the, the application. So let's say it's for a ship. Ships bang around a lot. We we get tossed around literally on the ocean. I mean, I was on an eleven and a half ton cruiser, and w- just like when you're on a um, an airplane where you hit uh, turbulence, that think of that twenty four by seven sometimes. So. If you're if you're out there on the North Atlantic or out the you know in some of the higher uh, seas, you can bang around. That tube's got to be able to handle it. It's also got to be able to handle a certain amount of um, salt in the air. That is another thing that comes up. So there's humidity. There's um, there's uh, salt air. There's the banging around. There and still they're not 100% guaranteed not to fail. All it is is it's going to last a little bit longer. In those yeah. um, conditions, so that we have time to pull it out, and put a new one in, and take my word for it, there was some stuff. It got banged around. It, it it was a continuous fight between you and the machine. 
Uh-huh. So I can't see without the actual mil spec in front of me, I wouldn't be able to tell you whether or not that 12AX7 to mil well, spec. Well, mil spec wasn't even necessarily mean it sounds better. That's my point. Right. Right. <laughs> it's that it, we didn't care the yeah, audio. Well, and not only that, you know much, but we already we know the engineers want things to sound differently than players do. So the last right. thing you would want to do is advertise a tube as being mil spec. I mean, um, now in terms of an amplifier, when you when you've seen a military spec constructed amplifier, it means that the wires are done in a certain way. It means that the the boards are put together in a certain way. It means that the um, the jacks and all that stuff are mounted in a certain way. Um, there's definitely some, um, I would say, some allure to that. Uh, if you look at like uh, high watts, have you ever seen a gut shot of a high watt, Jim? Have you ever seen what the yeah. inside of one looks like? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's like a work of art. And yep. I, I say this in in the nicest possible way. If you haven't seen one, go look one up on um, on uh, Google Image Search. You will tell because it looks like it's all straight lines. All the wires in it are all twisted together and like running in certain directions. And that was done for reliability. It wasn't done right. to make it look pretty. Um, you'll find right. Dr. Z's that look like that or matchless amps that look like that. And they're built with the same <laughs> ideas that like they're going to be um, turret boarded. And so everything's replaceable and it's easy to work on and all the pieces go in the right places and there are, and it's very easy to follow the circuit diagram etc um that's part of the specification it doesn't necessarily mean the amp sounds any different it just uh, now it no. does because those construction methods have you know they do lend something to the sound but um it just means that it was designed to be reliable not to sound good um and so right. for a tube i think that's well, kind of okay yeah i guess that's desirable but well, that's what I was getting at. If you put if you put these tubes, let's say they were audio tubes, they were they were used to amplify audio signals or radio signals that come in and then turn it into audio for the radio and to hear, right? So if I'm sitting in radio, and those of you who are in the military, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been to a comm station, there's crap going all over the place. And we still hear, you know, the the whoosh whoosh of 60 cycle hum, plus we got white noise kind of our our uh, Rear ends. Right. That's not. We, yes. Are we trying to knock some of that down? Yes. But we had what we call squelch and everything yeah, yeah, else, yeah. right? So, so we're we're knocking things down in different ways. That audio, we don't care if it's high end, high fi audio. We just care if we can hear Delta Foxtrot Seven. This is you know Romeo Tango yeah. Twenty Two over you audible. know that type of thing. We don't. Yeah. We don't care that it's you know like. Delta Foxtrot 7, we've got, <laughs> you know, nobody cares. Jim, are you telling me that that's how you used to do it on the radio? Like, And most of it, yeah, and, and I was going to say, most of it is vocal audio. Yeah. It's not. We're not listening to machines for the most part. Mm -hmm. Well, so. So again, without knowing the spec, a mil spec is nothing. Right. It, it, it fits tolerances for the space station. <laughs> What tolerances? <laughs> is that the tolerances for the toilet? Yeah, or is it yeah. the tolerances for the we don't know? It, you know? <laughs> it's the tolerances for the experiment where we're gonna try to blow up tubes in space. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, going on to another ad. Let's stick with ads. Oh, for you a found second. one too? So you posted, found one too? 
Well, I posted this Facebook ad in the in oh, the group right no, before no, no, we no, started. No, no. Yeah, you got to look at this. It says Martin Acoustic Guitar, four hundred dollars. Oh, condition yeah. use. Yes, that's it. That's the whole ad. It's a picture of the guitar with the whole headstock got a pink pink bow on it. Whether it was given like for Christmas or birthday or something, and then a, a gator case beside it. Does it come with a case? Does it not come with a case? Do I get the Do I get the bow? Do I get the the stand? But it, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I didn't put the the description in it because there wasn't one. Dude, you should show up to be at the, to get this thing, and then be like, "No, I want the one in the background." Yeah, and yeah, that's the there's other another thing. guitar. Wow, it does say it, yeah, it looks like a tack of but, Um, at least from the way I'm looking at. It. But <laughs> but if you look at it, that's that's that no. five hundred dollar. Often on sale for four hundred forty nine dollar Martin. Yeah, um, so go get the go get the Martin. Make them give you the case. Be like, yeah, well, the case is included, right? And then and then like, I want all those GameCube games that are on the floor next to it. And yeah, I want the uh, I want the GameCube. I want the CD rack. Yeah, I want that table that I can see the corner. I want the little and guitar want that- rack thing that's in the corner and the keyboard, the little. And the keyboard. That's exactly. I want the keyboard. <laughs> you didn't explain what this is for. Like, yeah, Martin acoustic exactly. guitar. No shit. How about that? Why don't you take a picture of just the acoustic guitar then, and then say for the guitar only? Because you know they're not selling the case with this thing. You're going to show up, and then they're going to be like, well, "No, it's just the just yeah, the guitar." Well, you can't have a case. If they threw in a case, that's a nice Gator. Now the guitar can be a three hundred fifty. You know what my guitar. guess is? They bought this Martin for for like their husband or something for Christmas, and then they're like, yep. they're like, oh crap, he already has the same one. Because if you look, it has a pink bow on it, like it was going to be a gift. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, and a then gift. it was like, oh shit, he's got, got the, the same one. Now I got to return it. And in Minnie Pearl, um, those who don't know what Minnie Pearl was or who Millie Pearl was, she was on uh, uh, Hee Haw. But anyway, in in mini pearl fashion, the freaking tag is hanging yeah, off yeah. The, the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely didn't come from Guitar Center. I mean, that's not a Guitar Center tag. That's a nope. Looks like some nope. random inventory tag, but from you. I think that's. I think that's. Yeah, I think that's actually um, a tag from. We have a we have a place called Zooties Trading Post. Yeah, because they're up. Um, we and, talked about uh, that before you mentioned them on the show. Yeah, that that's one place where don't mention your politics if you're. Europe, um, work, uh, you know, if you're mom and pop, nobody wants to know. Um, so yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, fun stuff going on. We, we're both, I'm going to see star Wars tomorrow. I'm going to watch uh, the, the, um, what is it called? The, the return the, of the Jedi? The, the, uh, the, oh, the, the filth of the Jedi. Is that what this is? The destruction of the dead eye. I don't um, know what it's called. It was number, rise of number eight. Rise of uh, Vader. I I don't know. I'm confused. Yep. At this yep. point, at I this point, it's, it's Palpatine series. Um, <laughs> that's what I've been told. Oh, so okay. So you've no. seen it, right? No I know, I, I know no everything that happens, Jim. I'm that I'm that kind of person. Yeah, me too. And and I like when I, I heard that they're bringing Palpatine back, I'm like, oh, it's Palpatine series now. Because he's more well, everybody important. knew it was- they, they basically just admitted, regardless of whether they did or not, we're gonna we're gonna finish this episode off with two things. We're gonna talk about Star Wars for a minute, and then we're gonna talk about Christmas for a minute. Um, because okay. this is coming out on Christmas Eve. So um Star Wars. So I'm gonna be JJ yes. Abrams for a minute. I'm gonna be like, hey, hey, 
let's bring out a movie and we'll bring back the villain from the original trilogy because we don't really have a good villain anymore since Ryan Johnson killed him in the last Jedi. Um, so let's, let's yep. create a new villain and, or let's, let's use an old villain who, who was killed, you know, and then we'll bring him back. We really won't explain how he was brought back. We'll just kind of hint at it. So the expanded universe can cover all that. And then, and then we'll right. just do this, you know, this quick little thing and then we'll make a great movie that ties them all together and it's like dude you do realize that this has this has thematic implications as well as story implications on the entire series where 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 the fans got pissed at ryan johnson for corrupting the idea of what uh luke skywalker was now they're going to do the same thing with their patron saint jj abrams who is going to make a movie where all of the sacrifice that Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader went through and actually brought balance to the force based on George Lucas's interpretation of what that means um, yeah. is now going to be negated. So the first the first six movies mean nothing at this point, because guess what? They're still fighting the same villain. <sighs> right. Nothing really changed. There was no there was no catharsis moment in the original trilogy. There was no catharsis moment in the prequels. I mean, when you really think about it, we're ending where we started, which is fighting against Sheev Palpatine, the Emperor. This is why I scratch my head and I'm like, I don't understand how this works. Like how this somehow, because George Lucas, I, I read an interview with him last week and much I hate him. I mean, I, I, I don't hate him. Hate is a super strong word. I, I, I feel like George Lucas is a, is a very misunderstood individual in the respect that he made films, he made films as art. And I feel like this last movie and the last two movies before it were not films as art. They were films for money. And right. I, I know that he's always towed the line between making films for money. Like he made um, Phantom Menace, which was obviously a toy tie-in. Like that whole movie was geared to sell toys. Um, and then he made, um, uh, he made um, Attack of the Clones, which initially was not super merchandised, um, and then became merchandised when they did the Clone Wars TV series, which originally started out as a hand-drawn animated thing, and then they remade it as the CG thing. A lot of people forget that, that there was the hand-drawn animated shorts that were on Cartoon Network before they did the actual TV series, which basically retconned anything that was different between the two of them. Right. Um, and then later on he does, um, they make the, uh, the uh, revenge of the Sith, which I think uh, most star, most modern star Wars fans can look at that movie and say, you know what? They actually did manage to make a good prequel. And a lot of people can consider revenge of the Sith in their top three, which is pretty dicey considering you know you've got empire strikes back and all of the side stories now and all that stuff um so i don't know i mean i kind of feel like i kind of feel like this is disney doing what everybody said disney was going to do that we're, we're terrified of disney to begin with was that disney was going to buy this they weren't going to respect it they were going to use it as a commodity they were going to they were going to package it and they were going to sell it and they were going to they were going to rape it which is a terrible you know terrible thing to say but but it's what they did right um 
And so now Star Wars is done as far as I'm concerned. I, I really think what's going to happen with this movie, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go see this one. I mean, I'll give it a fair shake. If I, if I feel differently about it, we'll talk about the podcast. But I really do feel like this is um, this is the end of Star Wars for me that I think yep. they finally like managed to jump the shark so hard that even though there are good things still coming out of the Star Wars universe and, you know, in terms of like Mandalorian and we've had that conversation on the show before and um, that I feel like they, they jumped the shark really bad. You have hey, you. Did you yeah. watch Last Jedi yet? Yeah, no, that's the one oh, I so got to watch that today the and then you're going to watch. OK, yeah. yeah. So you need to watch Last Jedi yeah. after you get off the podcast. Then you need to you need to send me a message and tell me what you think of it. Um, remember yep. what I told you. You know what? As much as I hate The Last Jedi, I feel like the changes to Luke Skywalker don't condemn the series as much as bringing Palpatine back as the key villain does. I think that's the thing that's really going to kill it for me. Is, is that it? now he is the main villain of the entire series and nothing that any of the characters did was a cathartic moment for them. And so even though we think of Luke Skywalker as this amazing protagonist from the original trilogy – he didn't really accomplish anything and neither did Darth Vader or Anakin from the, you know, the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Like, so now you're sitting here with this whole thing in your hands and you're like, so what was the point? So you mean I, it took right. nine movies for you to, to deliver us this hero that is arguably something you should have already done and you already did. And now you're negating it. Yeah. It's I dude, I, you can't even, what this trilogy should have been about, I'm going to tell you right now what this trilogy should have been about. And if George Lucas didn't feel this way, um, I've read some of his comments. I don't think he necessarily agrees with me. But this trilogy should have been about about re rebuilding the Jedi Republic, and and what that was going to take. You know, the new the new Republic, and what problems and concerns that was actually going to have, and kind of rooting out like the the origins of why the um, the universe was rife for civil war. And all these different things, and I, they just they failed. Like they just didn't get it. Um, they didn't take it in a new direction. They didn't want to take it in an old direction. Like they didn't want to do what you know the expanded universe had already done, which understandably so. And they didn't want to take it in a new direction in the sense that um, they were still trying to hold on to all these tropes um, because they I think they felt like they had to. Um, but then they let yep. Ryan Johnson make a movie, and then they don't stick by, stick to their guns. And man, I hate the Last Jedi. I'm gonna tell you, you you're gonna see it, and you're gonna you're gonna have some very strong feelings about certain things. And I just, I <laughs> I I think they would have been better off to actually carry out what they were doing, and and giving us a satisfying conclusion, building on that, rather than saying. Yeah, none of that stuff really mattered all that much anyway. So we'll just we're just gonna ignore it, and then we're gonna pretend like Palpatine's back. You yep. Know? Um, and that's gonna be a retcon, because that's what this is. This movie is a giant retcon. Um, yeah. And that's that's a mess. And I'm sorry, but Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, um, if Disney is still in your court after the the abysmal box office success of this movie, which by the way, it's already kind of trailing behind, is my understanding. Uh, they've made 174 million since it came out. That's not huge numbers. Um, no, I think I think they need to chop her head off. I'm not her, chop the head off of Lucasfilm. <laughs> get get dump Kathleen yeah. Kennedy because she doesn't. She obviously doesn't understand what they think she understands. Um, 
and I would say the same thing about people in the music industry too, if they make pitiful decisions like that. Um, obviously, that's why we're talking about Henry Jeskowitz. This is our perfect segue back into guitar before we talk about Christmas. Um, Henry Jeskowitz. Um, <laughs> here's a guy who doesn't understand his core audience. He didn't understand them. Yeah. And what did he do? He ran his company into the ground until the executives finally said enough is enough and threw him out. Now we have a new guy. What did they do? They selected somebody who worked for Levi's. And now yeah. we've got similar situations going on as to what we had before. We had um, Mark Agnesi's terrorist video. And then we had uh, his uh, his uh, terrorist hostage video. And then we had, um, uh, you know, I think there was some other event that we've had. Oh, that uh, the suing of the uh, the other companies. Um, it's like, when does it stop, guys? They still don't understand what their core audience is. Nobody actually cares about whether or not somebody's making a copy of a Les Paul. They don't. Gibson shouldn't care at this point. Gibson should just be like, well, that's because they're buying it because they really want ours. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would do exactly. a I would do marketing campaign. I would do the Pepsi Challenge campaign. I'd say, get two guys playing Les Pauls, put them next to one another, make your right. Les Paul so much damn better that it wouldn't have mattered. That, that that nobody really wants the other one. They'll buy it because they have to have it, but, you know, make it a utility item. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, it's been a long year, right? Um, we're heading into yep. the new year. Um, are we going to have another episode by the new year? I don't know. One. Maybe. No, it'll, it'll air on okay. the new year. So um, I guess we should wish everybody a new year. Uh, happy holidays, yep. of course. Happy um, holidays. Jim and I are actually yep. broadcasting. I said earlier in the episode, we're, this is freaking Christmas Eve. It's Christmas it's Eve. It's 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve as we wrap this episode up. So yep. it's 4 p.m. where I am. Yeah, no, you need yep. to get off here. You got stuff you got to go do. Um, I do. Take us out, Jim. I've been Jim. I've been David. And this has been the Practical Guitarist. Yay. Yay.